0: Hi, I'm Ulysses, and this is Music, Meaning, and Mystery podcast. This podcast explores the mystery of music in order to valorize it. In this episode, we speak with instrumental musician Michael Hewitt. You can find Michael's music on Spotify. I saw on your LinkedIn that you put that you have 21 years experience of being in dreaming music. Did I get that right?
1: Yes. It's my publishing company. Ah. So I basically started it when I started releasing my own material and my first solo album was in 2001 or 2000 actually.
0: Expand that for me so I can understand what is being in dreaming and Why is music part of Being and Dreaming? Wow,
1: what a fantastic question. One of the female sorcerers in Carlos Castaneda's lineage, uh, Florinda Donna Grau, wrote a book called Being and Dreaming. And I read it, and it felt like such a beautiful, inspired title for my second album, which is called Being and Dreaming because many of those tracks are inspired by the imagery and the feeling I got by reading Carlos Castaneda's books and her book. my I'd say my heart is braided with intense passion for three things, at least, which would be music, spirituality, and relationship. That album, Being in Dreaming, when I was reading the books, it created such a vast landscape and a rich entry point into shamanism and the personalities and the uh, states of non-ordinary reality that the characters were experiencing. It's continued to inspire my path to this day. Some of my earliest mystic experiences as a child were in in in-between states, between waking and dreaming, astral projection. I just found myself in these bardo states and then down the line in life i was looking for what happened and how can i make actionable practices to volitionally re-enter those states and so as a musician one thing my audiences my fans have come back with continually it's you know very like a consensus is that my my songs aren't about anger or longing but really creating a sense of centeredness so that the listener can feel like they're entering into a state of self-transcendence.
0: So you kind of had experiences that you eventually sought to reverse engineer, and part of that technique has been the usage of music. Did I understand correctly? It's so
1: detailed. You know, music is a vibratory language, uh, and I'm an instrumental artist, so... I'm not telling a story with narrative, it's a feeling. My experiences in the mystic realms are definitely reflected in what I choose to come through me as a composer and what I finish and what I release as a composer, like the, the, the songs that feel evocative of my spiritual experiences, but also ideally have a mirror-like state, where the listener can come back to them again and again, and that piece will meet them where they are. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but...
0: That's one thing I found in this podcast experience that we tend to, when we get into these topics of music, hence the word mystery in the title, we're always feeling our way towards what the answer to any given question is. I think you, you're kind of talking about that a little bit because you you talked about telling a story or, or a narrative, but you seem to be kind of explaining that what you're expressing or what you're communicating is not a, a sort of non-specific. It, they, they are emotions and those things enter into a relationship with the person listening to them. So wh- wherever you are with your emotions, you enter into a an exchange with the emotions contained in the music. Is that right?
1: In the purest form of, of songwriting, I feel it's channeling. I'll be sitting with an instrument and then something will just pop out. It could be an interval. It could be a small phrase and it'll feel like, hey, this this thing has been floating around in the ethers and it just happened to come knocking when I had an instrument in my hand. So I'm more interested in that form of songwriting is channeling then hey i'm having this feeling and i need to put it into a a song expression plus i'm an instrumentalist so i don't at this point use words and narratives so that allows i think for more of that mirror-like interaction with the listener versus say these are the lyrics this is this is a sad song this is a happy song i love ambiguity i love things that are um, not understandable the first time. You have to come back three times. And I love pop music. I'm not dissing pop music, but I, I'm going for something that is, uh, like they say, you know, when you chew gum and the sweet goes out of the gum and you spit it out, I'm, I'm not making music like that. I would like to make something that could stand for, uh, for decades or even centuries.
0: This, is, this will be an impossible question to answer, but let's use it as a springboard. What are you channeling? Where does it come from?
1: Well, you know, before logic is understood, it's seen as magic. And, uh, you know, not even 50 years ago to say that, hey, all the world's information is in the air as signals. And there for the taking, you just need a a doodad with a subscription. And we call that Wi-Fi, we call that a computer, we call that a smartphone, right? And so what was magical now is, is logical. So for someone to say, hey, you know, there isn't information in the air for the taking would be a Luddite or just completely ignorant to modern technology. And I think it's the same, uh, that ideas, motifs, full entities that are vibratory information exist. They are for the most part outside of human sensory sensitivity, but in the shamanic world, in the yogic world, In the world of um, deep meditation, that's what we're doing. We're volitionally attuning ourselves to non-physical presences, vibratory presences, and seducing them with our state of readiness to come through us as epiphanies or masterpieces, ideas. That's the basic job of a meditator is to become epiphany-prone. So for a musician, literally the word muse is in the front of it. Like The muses are, are creative spirits that are said to come between midnight and 4 a.m. So the fact that many of us are night owls creating, is not an accident. We're there to be on the field so that when they come show on the field, we listen and we put pen to paper.
0: So you see some like mechanically speaking, technically speaking, you see some overlaps between the practice of say yoga and deep meditation and the practice of music? A thousand percent.
1: The the pieces that I've struggled with to finish are usually not purely channeled. They are clever. There's something as a guitar player with my hands as a technician, I'm like, oh, I want to impress somebody with that. and And then usually, you know, if I'm working with a producer, they'll see right through that shit. And they'll be like, you, you, this is just your fatted calf. We need to slaughter it because it's in the way of this pure piece." As I have gotten older and more seasoned, I'm able to s- smell, you know, what is a, uh, a pure idea, what's uncontrived and put that forward as a release versus something that is just, you know, me messing around. And that's, that's really my gold standard. I mean, I think if, if something kind of falls out with like a painless birth, as far as, you know, being drafted as a song and then being recorded, that's a clear sign to me that it's worth showing the world. If there's a lot of struggle around it. And then like five different attempts to reproduce it, you know, it's probably contrived.
0: Okay. So we've kind of somewhat established a, certain craft uh, within the subset of musician. So it's almost like a specialist, a channeling or vesseling or something like this. I'm trying to understand what that means for the community at large. That's one thing that I've been struggling in writing for this book is it's that type of musician. What What is the role in the community that that musician lives in in 2021. Is that something that can be integrated? Is it integrated already and we don't really know how to express it? What, what do you think of, of these these ideas?
1: Well, I love that they use the word vessel because I've also been teaching the yogic arts since 1997. And in 2010, I founded an academy for yogic studies and called it vessel. <clears throat> what I love about the word vessel is it's a feminine word. It can mean something to hold, you know, like a wine glass is a vessel. It could be a blood vessel. It could right. be a a craft to get you from one place to another.
0: The womb is a vessel. Yes. Right. Yes.
1: Yeah, so the power of potential and space to contain versus what it, the substance that is put into it. So to be a a worthy vessel in Buddhism means that um, you're open-minded, that you have a power of retention, meaning you're not like a leaky bucket where an idea comes in and then you just have so much ADD (laughs) that it falls out immediately, like riding in water. And then the inside of the vessel, the third aspect is that the the inside of the vessel is clean. Like there's a pure motivation to, um, to do, what you, do what it is you're doing. You're here to do it for the benefit of others and to add to society. Those are my tenets as a musical meditator as well. I would like to be in the way of a great idea that happens to see me as fit to channel it. I think with modern technology and the demise of, you know by and large, the record industry and the stranglehold they held over artists to even be able to be seen, heard, known about. Now that we have the internet and we can create niche followings, meet with our musical voices, the avenues for expression and support and being seen as are a lot more readily available now. Everybody, every person has different taste, which is beautiful. The people that I'm seeking to seduce with my body of work, as the artist channeling that work, I wish to be in a particular state when it comes through. And there's a particular intensity, which is also alloyed with uh, Duende, as the Flamenco artists say that um, whatever it is you're doing, you do it as if your death is standing right behind you and may tap you. So this next note should be fucking incredible and well-placed and from the heart. And that's the standard. And that's what I uh, I look for in my work and I care very much, I w- of course want an audience to hear it, but they are the afterthought like the the intimate relationship for me while I'm composing is between me and the muse
0: well, what does that what does that mean for the audience that does commune with that with with the product of that relationship with the muse? Why do they value this
1: uh, it's very heartening i I was at my first public performance two nights ago and you know as an artist what it means to be able to play in front of humans live and not these goddamn screens you know before I performed people came up to me and said hey I've been following your music following your stories seeing you create it and it means it's meant so much to me it's been such a medicine through all of these trials and meets me where I am and for me that's the reward these song children, we can finish them. I, I'm doing that in quotes because I know this is not a video podcast. Um, and and we put our songs on the proverbial bus, right? Like you're putting your child on the bus for the first day, and like, okay, go out there, have a good day. I hope everybody's nice to you. And and that's how I feel about the music. May it go out there as medicine and um and and soothe all the savage beasts and and let them feel uh the music without the music dictating how they should feel again as an instrumental artist that's an advantage and so you know just seeing the the response of the audience feeling like the pin drop silences are performing it's the biggest gift it's such a gift it's a bit unnerving at times because it, it it feels like there's been a real trance created with the audience it's very intimate
0: well, you spoke about medicine, and that's come up at least three or four times uh, on this podcast, and I believe you're the ninth person to come on. So that's a pretty high hit rate. Um, I do not prompt people to talk about medicine. it's the, It comes up naturally, m- music as medicine, and th- there does seem to be something healing about it. And you talked about shamanism and channeling, which is in the shamanic model, as as far as I understand it, illness is said to be a disruption of the soul. And in order to bring the soul back or, or bring pieces of it back, um, the shaman sings to it because that's the thing that is familiar to the soul. And that's how how you heal. <laughs> Yeah, it's
1: so funny. I don't know if you knew that, but like the last record, a little EP I released last year with a great artist named Karen, um, we called it Music is Medicine.
0: Right. There you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we did um, two ayahuasca ikaro and then one kind of flamenco journey with her beautiful vocals over it. And yeah, music is a vibratory language. I can make strong case for our spirit being electrical current, right? a, a deathless body of light. And if it's true that energy cannot be created or or destroyed, but only transformed, then that could point to the, um, the vessel of our electrical body going through all kinds of dimensions beyond life and death, between waking and dreaming, um, all of the Upregulation and downregulation that any animal experiences just interacting with their environment and others, and how I I see I use music through the day and also different environments. Like if I'm driving to the city, I'll probably listen to metal, and when I'm in the country, I'll listen to stuff that's more mellow. I'll listen to Kurangbin and you know yeah. like uh, appropriate music. Yeah, <laughs> definitely um, intentionally for me used for state change. Yeah, and emotional uh, well-being, and very carefully chosen. Like I'm, I'm very selective about who I listen to because I want it to rub off. You know, I know it will percolate in my subconscious and then pop out as influence when I go to to, to write.
0: So you mentioned Icaros. What what are? Let's start with the the Sesame Street version of this question. What yes. is an Icaro?
1: Uh, An Ikaro is a sacred medicine song that is revealed to a shaman by the plant spirits. Um, I'm good friends with an an herbalist who has an herb farm, and she does something called the honorable harvest, so that when she goes to pick a flower or an herb, she doesn't just pull it, she places her hand near it, makes connection, and mentally asks, is it okay to harvest? So There is an, a very conscious opening to communicate between the animal and the plant realm. I'm not a shaman. I'm friends with people who are go- undergoing intense study to become shamans. And they do something called a dieta, where they will go to um, a location and diet on a particular sacred plant, or maybe several to create a deep, relationship understanding a deep uh, covenant with that plant or plants in that process the plants share their songs and share their vibrations with the the shaman who's studying and that song becomes a bridge to connect between the shaman and the plant so in ceremony space where you know people are altered they've they've taken some usually entheogenic plant medicine the sensitivity to vibration and song is far greater. And when that shaman has created that intimate relationship with the plant and the plant has revealed their song, and then the shaman sings that song, it brings the power of that plant spirit entity into the room to act as a source of healing and an emissary for the person who's sitting in the ceremony to be healed. And I've experienced it many times, it's real.
0: Wow. It uh, adds a whole other set of dimensions to the idea of plant medicine. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just plugging that into what I've learned about the shamanic mode of healing, which is to retrieve parts of your soul or retrieve your soul. And then medicine as plants, because we mentioned herbalism, plants, just about every medicine comes from plant material right yeah and you know but then the fact that you are healed by the song of such a plant <laughs> that's a whole other This is a whole other ball game here yeah i'm a little bit bowled over by this thing here <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um the wheels are turning so so much i can't keep up right now. <laughs> that's
1: wonderful. I think that's the only sane response to like you, you said, you know, mystery earlier and then the word answer. And that's this that's the the thing that's kind of a shame when people grasp to their answers from the past that got them through is it they can be locked up in a framework that prevents them from experiencing the mystery. And, you know, the, these documentaries that are coming out like Fantastic Fungi, um, when we, the scientists, right, the people who are, they can measure things and reproduce those measurements and say, hey, this is, this is a, a law, this is real. Um, when they're seeing the, the deep network interaction of the forest floor, the mycelium, the trees, the weeds, uh, the The, the plants able to adjust their chemistry if they're being preyed upon by something and to call the predator of that being that's preying on them like humans uh, have become so myopic and egocentric about us <laughs> temporarily being an apex predator when we are nature we are a part of nature, and nature is um, tolerant of our presence for this very short period of time. And if we don't get it together, she won't be. She won't be. Humans will be a blip on this 4.5 billion year old rock, will be a blip. Yet, I think that given the fact of consciousness energy being indestructible and constantly changing, the multiverse of other worlds that our consciousness will be projected into after this short period of time on earth is infinite. If we don't learn our lessons here, we're going to have to learn them somewhere else. And I think the thing that the plants are here to help us with is, hey, we've got a paradise here. We've got incredible human bodies and incredible technologies and incredible resources. Let's not piss it away because the next rebirth could be a lot harder than than these conditions are presenting, a lot
0: harder going to take a bit of a left turn here. Um, so far, the most difficult puzzle to figure out in this book writing project about music has been money. I, I may be wrong about this, but I get the impression that money, the, 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 the valuing music via money puts a pressure on it, and I'm expressing that in a value-neutral way, that shapes music a certain way, and that seems inevitable. We've just talked about how music is the meeting of the muse at night. Music is a song taught to us by plants. Music is the vesseling of spirit that's not of this place. I just can't understand what money has anything to do with it. I I, I don't know what to do with that. I just don't understand. Do you, I, and I don't mean to burden you with this, with this uh, confusion that I have, but as a fellow musician, I, I feel like I, I need help. I, what, do you have a piece of this puzzle when it comes to music and, and money, or what, what do you think?
1: Wow, that's, a, uh, that's an incredible question. Well, I've been around long enough to see the music industry radically change. With the internet and then streaming services from you know Napster and up to Spotify now, all the other ways that an independent artist doesn't need to be signed, doesn't need to have a middleman in between their audience, their bank account, and them. It's changed really fast. Um, I see money as current, currency. Current as vibration. Current as power. Current as flow. So, in my administering, administering of my catalog, I've repositioned my psyche and my philosophy from commodities and exchange. Like, if you get this, you have to pay me X. That's old model. That's dead. What's now in maximum interest is being as discoverable, shareable as possible, as uh, something somebody could stumble into. Like if I popped up on someone's Discover Weekly, that would be amazing. If I popped up on a a prominent playlist on Spotify, that would be amazing. And it's not about me getting a fiduciary uh, return on that instantly. It's a long game of the viral aspect of these songs being able to find their way around the planet and all the different ways as digital entities. So that's what I've done. I've I've created, you know, YouTube, TikTok, Spotify, all the digital streaming services, services, Bandcamp, social media, film score. You know, I've just made it as multifaceted as possible, meta-tagged it like crazy. So, uh, you know, administered it with digital performance rights organizations and publishing and then just keep putting it out. I'm a little less or I'd say a lot less interested in releasing full-length albums than I am releasing a single every 2 months and then putting a very compelling transparent story to the singles creation and its ultimate promotion release so that the attention of the people who are following me on you know instagram facebook etc feel like they have a part in my creative process not just here's what i'm birthing and give me 99 cents for that
0: so money becomes the language of their participation
1: no, not necessarily at all. Like it could be, it could be. But if like a a, a person who pays nine ninety nine per month for Spotify simply shared my work with a hundred friends, I would much rather that than get a few pennies or a dollar. I want it to run amok. It's a big debate, you know, like people I go to music symposiums and people will yell at the Spotify rep about how, you know, unjust it is that each artist gets, you know, almost nothing for a play. But then there's services allowing their music to be shareable, discoverable. And until that artist builds to a certain level, it's gonna be like that. Until they can sit back and get monthly royalties. <laughs> directly deposited into their bank account which will happen if they don't give up. If they don't give up. But I think, you know, m- money initially as the motivating force to be a musician if someone's thinking of that then probably in the wrong game.
0: That's that's sort of where I've landed. I see like a necessity for the rise of a musician class that is more monk-like i guess or 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 or, or yeah where they, it's um for them music is a pursuit in itself for the betterment of all of this as i wave my hands vaguely with with no price tag because how do you how do you price that <laughs> right you know it just seems absurd I, I, it's just absurd so i just don't see i as as you put it there it seems uh, to make more sense <laughs> that it would just be pursued for its own aim and be put out there and have it have its own life
1: we're living in a completely different time than tribal society like at least in the west we live in a culture of exchange producer consumer and we see what happens to our elders when they aren't able to produce or consume anymore right if basically thrown away. And then children are raised by and large to enter that producer consumer market and thrive there until they're too old to anymore. Right? So it's not like a tribal structure where let's say if you had um, someone who would be classified in Western culture as schizophrenic or bipolar, and you know they would be put on heavy medication or prote- perhaps I don't know institutionalized, in the tribal structure, that person would be seen as special and probably be cultivated as the next shaman and not asked to go to the market, not asked to raise children, not asked to cultivate crops, not asked to, to defend the perimeter. Right? They have their own special way of being. And so, too, for the artisans and the musicians, they would be given their place to do that sacred work within the tribal structure, Right? the hive mind of that tribal structure. I see it as, you know, like it's kind of three tiers of, of musical depth. You've got, and again, with full respect to pop music, but let's say you've got the one hit wonder stuff. It's going to be heavily crafted by 10 producers at a record label and all those cats are going to get money for the royalties and it's going to go out there and people are going to chew it like gum for a couple weeks and then spit it out because it's done. They've heard it too many times. That's like a very low level of creation. Above that, you would have, for me, it would be like a band like Radiohead, where they're widely commercially successful and incredibly deep, incredibly curated, incredibly alien. Like, how did these guys make it? But they're out there, right? They're not like the, the teeny bopper shit. But then you've got, like, on the next level, the sacred music that's been around for, you know, thousands of years, hundreds of years, tens of thousands of years. It is not no interest of being commercially successful. It's there as medicine. It's there as healing. It's there as a direct portal to the other dimensions, and the consciousness is there. It's of another order. So I I, kind of see, you know, music as
0: you could throw them into those three buckets. And bucket three, excuse me, sorry, bucket three doesn't fit necessarily in the current music industry bucket <laughs> right it's uh maybe like you're mentioning in the west we don't have we we don't have the tools to integrate that third level of music that type of musician still has to hustle to get an audience whereas um in a in a tribal setting to in, invoke your example they would have been in a tribe already and they would have, that would be their audience that does you know what i mean
1: yeah, they would be giving all the right circumstances to be as excellent and single-pointed in their pursuit of that as possible. And it's brutal. You look at it's a uh, classical musician, what it takes to get the training, to get the repertoire, to keep that repertoire up, to compete, to be seen, to be able to make a living through all of that. You have to divide your fucking attention like waiting tables when you should be practicing your Brahms, you know? Uh, it's this is why artists want to move to Canada or move to you know the Netherlands where they could have a chance and not just be ground under the heel of American materialist disposable fucking culture. And it's sad because it's like the you know our the American culture seems to be sinking into a level of depravity. And like the next generation, what will they have to inspire them <laughs> other than like the the most the most you know ridiculous shit uh, it's it, it definitely gets my goat and i don't seek to fix it i just seek to try to continue to make my work as much as it's possible to do so
0: yeah it's tough to make a case for what we should do about this other than do what we can um each one of us take responsibility it's sort of what motivated me to uh write this book trying to figure out what the hell is up with this music thing <laughs> Because obviously people love music. Obviously it's important. It's ever all over the place, right? Mobilize so much effort and resources for music. So what's what's going on? Um, I usually close the podcast with I have a traditional closing question. Uh, before doing that, I have another question that's, I have a penultimate traditional <laughs> closing question. Um, is there anything that you would have liked to talk about that I didn't think to bring up or that I forgot? I guess,
1: how do we create the value for the arts in Western education where it's not the first thing to be cut because it's so subtle and so, um, feeling oriented, you know, the value of a feeling is so powerful because that's what people remember. They don't remember what they heard. I remember what they felt. And I think if we cut off the arts in this country and make it impossible for an artist to even consider having a viable living, um, we'll lose the lion's share of people who have the daring step to being an artist. I, I know many of them, and I see them taking on other professions, even as extreme as sex work, to have the fucking time for themselves and the resources to do their arts. I wept when I found that out and started to see my eyes open to that more and more, just for someone to express the truth, just for someone to create something and put it out there. What this system has done to bend artists over a fucking barrel. It almost makes me go Ayn Rand and be like, fuck you. You don't get anything. You don't get anything. It almost makes me do that, but I'm an optimist. I'm a bodhisattva, I've taken a vow till death to try to uplift human minds, even when they're completely repulsive, even when the toxic masculinity is making me want to never be around another male again. I, I have a vow to keep going. I don't know if that answered your question. Your
0: question. <laughs> well, I, I want to say that I appreciate that uh, you didn't go to the dark side, and you've remained you've remained on the jedi path i appreciate that uh as we uh, thank you yeah i watched those movies (laughs) a few times and uh i know how it goes wrong when you do take the dark side
1: (laughs) yeah i have i have a black i have a black uh lightsaber but haven't used it on anybody yet
0: (laughs) So traditional closing question, and I never interpret the question for people. I just ask it and let you do your thing. What should people listen to?
1: What moves them? Listen to what moves them. Uh, and, and that that paradox of being riveted, like it brings you into your still point, the eye of your hurricane, and then you feel so moved so deeply, like put yourself in the way of that. What, what I love might not be what anybody else loves and I'm totally at peace with that but give yourself that nutrition it's meditation it supports the artist one way or another and at the mystic level it's very good for us
0: I found it quite elegant how Michael points out that a clue to the meaning of music is found in the word itself. He even makes that an actionable item. What if we try Michael's invocation of the Muses? I might even interpret his invitation literally and go play music in a field between midnight and 4am. Will I meet the Muses there? Wish me luck.